Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Better off. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 99 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co host, Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. We are a two-woman show this week. Uh, usually Woo-hoo! we are a three-woman show, but uh, both Maggie and Linda have other things going on. Hopefully Linda's not like underwater as we speak. Um, uh. <laughs> Linda's apartment's having issues. Um, uh. So yeah, I don't know. Like hurricanes happen sometimes. And so, you know, weather impacts. Neighbors happen. Yeah, neighbors happen. Um, but it's it's I mean I don't blame them for not for not podcasting because it's not a fun time to talk about the Mets. Uh, no, the, it's not. The, uh, Especially the, right now. <laughs> the slide into the abyss continues. Um, the Mets managed to win just one game in each of the two West Coast series. Um, mm. They have gotten Javi Baez and now Francisco Lindor just today back from the injured list, and Javi Baez immediately made an impact when he came back. Um, yeah, uh, not yesterday, Sunday, because um, they had Monday off. But on Sunday, he helped the Mets win that game by reaching base three times. Um, and now Francisco Lindor is back as well. We get to finally live the dream that we've been Woo. hoping for since um, since the Mets acquired Baez of um, Lindor and Baez in a double play combination. But um, that excitement was immediately tempered by the fact that the Mets are already down big in this game that is being played right now. Uh, against the Giants. Um, and so, you know, this is a bad Tyler McGill start. We have a bad Tyler McGill start, folks. And yeah, I remember Pepperidge Farm remembers when uh, the justification <sighs> for the Mets not getting pitching at the deadline was, but what of Tyler McGill? Who can we possibly? Uh, kick out of the rotation with all of our wealth of amazing starting pitchers. Uh, And yet. uh, That was was really the most frustrating thing because they were relying on McGill and he's still a baby. He doesn't have the endurance just yet. And we've been saying that since the beginning. And that was his one caveat. He's been good. And like, I mean, tonight is not good, but like he's filled in perfectly admirably, but like that was not supposed to be the plan for a contending team moving forward. And that's not supposed to be a plan for next season and beyond. You can't just like pencil in Tyler McGill as your third starter. Like that just can't be a thing. And so 
it's, no. it's annoying that that was used as an excuse. And also similarly, oh, and DeGrom is going to come back. So then what are you going to do? And it's like, well, DeGrom is still not back, no. folks, and may never be back. So, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, it's frustrating um, that, you know, all the excitement of getting Lindor and Baez back is kind of dying because the Mets are still playing a team that's really far superior to them. Um, and they will be out of this stretch soon of really tough games. Um, cause you know, they played the giants, the Dodgers, the giants, the Dodgers back to back to back to back. Ugh. Um, whoever scheduled that needs to be slapped. I know. Right. Um, and, and now this stretch is after this series is going to be over, but by the time it is the, the Mets now have a huge deficit to overcome. And yes. it's like, it's, kind of uh, at the point where it's too little too late for Lindor and Baez to be back. They might help them win a few extra games, but it's not going to be enough. Um, they are six and a half uh, games back and losing big in this game today. See, I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to be like the last, I, I know this is me being like stupidly optimistic, but I hope this is the last game of futility like this. Um, now that both Lindor and Baez are back. Um ugh. I don't know. I've just, I think I've, I still have a little bit of optimism left. I don't know why that makes me a fool, but you know what? I'll be a fool until the end of the season. I don't have much optimism left for the season, but I will say I was hoping that the games would be more watchable, at least at the end. Like, you know, yeah. I'm a Mets fan. I'm used to watching games and seasons like where even when they were never expected to go anywhere, this season's yes. different and more frustrating because they actually had high expectations of them that they now will likely not meet. Um, but like I'm used to watching games that don't matter. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so but, and it's, and it's, it's much easier to watch those. There's no pressure in watching those and you're not as stressed out. We're not yeah. as stressed out. And, yeah. And you're not as stressed out, but you want something to watch and something to make yeah. the games yes. exciting. You know, even in lost years, like in 2013, you had Matt Harvey, um, you know, and Zach and Wheeler and, and Zach Wheeler <laughs> and Wilmer Flores, as I just posted on Twitter, <laughs> and Wilmer Flores, um, you have reasons to get excited. And so now with the, with the 2021 Mets, there wasn't much of that lately during this no. bad stretch. It was basically like Pete Alonzo hitting dingers was like the only thing you could potentially look forward to. Um, and Marcus Stroman has been yes. very good. Um, but without Jacob deGrom and without Francisco Lindor, there really wasn't much to watch. It was the games no. were very watchable. Um, and now with Lindor and Baez back, hopefully the games will be more watchable, but um, I don't know, man. Uh, and, and hopefully the approach of the plates, the plate will change. The pitch selection from the opponents will change since both Lindor and Baez are back. Yeah. Um, and especially Lindor, he's like the only one mm. capable, seemingly capable of like working, uh, working in at bat with runners in yes. scoring position. Yeah. So I would, I like to see, I think, was he, he's not number two in the lineup tonight. I think he was number, he was third in the lineup tonight is Nemo Alonzo and Lindor. Yeah. I like, I have tuned out of this game. I won't lie. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm in the other room now. So I like, don't really um, remember who's batting where. Because I, I would like to see a Nimmo Lindor one too. Just because Nimmo, Nimmo does have a high OBP. And I feel confident. Yeah, it is Nimmo Alonzo Lindor. Yeah. Um, and I have a higher confidence of Lindor getting Nimmo over than I do of Pete getting Nimmo over. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Pete should hit third. Um, yeah. I mean, that, but- that power bat. <laughs> You want the power but, um, I said this in Slack recently, uh, that 
like, I mean, Lindor and DeGrom kind of went down like close to the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that was obviously a huge collective loss. Uh, and, and that was kind of, you know, the mark of, of the end <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't possibly sustain losing your best position player and your best pitcher. Like it's just impossible. And what, especially when yeah. like when one of them is like a hall of fame track caliber pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I said that I low key think Lindor was the bigger loss than DeGrom in this context. Not like when you, not necessarily in a vacuum, but like when you talk mm-hmm. about the context of this team right now and where they were, Lindor was the bigger loss. I thought because the pitching actually held it down. Not to say they pitched, you know, not to see, not to say that anyone can pitch like DeGrom. Right. But they have largely held it down. Obviously McGill tonight is an exception, but um, the pitching has largely held it down. The position players have not. And so losing Lindor was huge, especially since he was like finally in his stride and finally uh, like finally hitting well since like the first of July or even toward the end of June, really. Um, he was doing a great job. I think for the whole month of June, really, he was pretty good. Um, and so it wasn't and, a June swoon. No, that is for sure. No. And his defense. They say that for August. And his defense was sorely missed as well. And it's just, you're looking at, Mm. you replaced, you essentially replaced Francisco with Lindor with Jonathan VR. And that's just like not good enough, you know, like. No, it's not. So that's what I I thought. I I thought they were both equal losses in different ways. Um, Again, DeGrom's kind of leadership presence and talent was covered by the pitches, uh, pitchers, especially Marcus Stroman. He really kind of, took up this leadership role after DeGrom was injured and is actually more um, accessible to the public, I'll say, um, than DeGrom is. Um, And there isn't that same kind of leadership on the offense. Pete, to me, is the closest. Um, But again, there's not that player that kind of pulled the whole thing together like uh, Lindor did. Um, And again, you mentioned it before with his defense. So many people have underrated Lindor's defense this season. I've been screaming it from the rooftop. (laughs) I've been screaming it from the rooftops about how happy it's made me just because we've been watching years and years and years of defensive futility. Like the Mets have been the worst in so many defensive categories over the past five, five, 10 years. And this year they have been, and I believe top five in many categories. So I don't understand why people don't value defense. I still don't understand why the Mets don't seem to value defense just because there's so many runs saved. It just looks pretty on the screen. You don't panic when you see a ball go up the middle that a double play won't be made or the ball will be booted or something like that. It was just, Lindor was just so pretty to watch. Oh. Lindor's oh. Lindor. We, we talked about this today. Lindor's outs above average, which is a counting stat, by the way, um, yeah. Lindor's outs above average is still second in baseball, despite the oh fact that he God. missed all that time. Wow. He's second in baseball and outs above average. Like, That's fantastic. Incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Defense guys. He's worth that contract alone for his defense i don't care what people say that's what i think yeah oh and the my mets, gosh and the mets have been much better defensively overall mm. this season because of their positioning and it's made a lot it's mm-hmm. made a huge difference i mean i know that like you know 
<laughs> we don't want, it's hard to find positives to talk about with the Mets right now, but like their defense has been a lot better this year. And, and yes. obviously Lindor's a huge part of that positioning's a huge part of that. Like Brandon Nimmo is actually a good center fielder now. And he wasn't last mm-hmm. season. Um, and Dom Smith improved in left field. Dom Smith did improve in left field. He's still not like good, but, Great, but he's passable. He's passable in left field. Um, yes. so yeah, I mean, it, I, it was a huge loss and it's just, it's too little too late. Even if DeGrom does come back, even if Syndergaard does come out of the bullpen, which you mentioned in the show notes, Kellyanne, even if Syndergaard yes. does come out of the bullpen at the end of the year, we'll be fun to see. We'll make the games more watchable. We'll save this. <laughs> it's too, it's probably too late. See, I'm, I'm again, this is me being optimistic. I still have a little bit of hope. Um, one of the amazing Avenue commenters today, I believe in the morning news mentioned that the Braves have a really tough eight game stretch coming up, or they're now in the midst of the Yankees, um, stopped their winning streak last night. Um, so the Mets have a chance to take advantage of this and get some games back. Will they based on this game? Not really, but with the return of Lindor going forward, I still think it's a possibility. They're at home. They've done well. Um, They have a 6-10 winning percentage at home. They're 36-23. and So I think they can get it together after this game, hopefully. I suppose (laughs) it is possible. possible. Again, I'm being hopeful. I will start to believe it when I see it because like (laughs) after they started sliding, they swept the nationals Mm. and that pulled me back in. And then they immediately shoved us right back out again. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, that's also back in. That's also like, it's the nationals. Well, yeah, exactly. But you know, they got it done. Tanky. Yeah. They got it done against the bad team. Uh, And now they're just, they're just getting outclassed by teams that are better than them. I don't like, I don't and, know why the Giants, the Giants are good, but they are. But they are. And I, I, I low-key love that they are. <laughs> Even though Gabe Kapler's the manager, I low-key love that they are. They're, my, they're one of my two teams after the Mets. I like the Giants and the Blue Jays. If the Mets, like, way below my love for the Mets, but, like, if I have to root for another team, an LL team, it's the Giants. Well, the Blue Jays season is similarly over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now. But sadly. they're my other, they're my AL team. Yeah. Um, so, so, so oh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just, I was going to go to the note under that with Syndergaard coming back out of the, possibly out of the bullpen. What did you think of, what do you think of that? I'm in favor of it. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. I am too. Although I feel like they were a little waffly on that in the pregame conference today. They were saying, yes, it's most likely going to be out of the bullpen, but depending on where he is, they might start him which at this point I mean unless they're back in it yeah like like what is the point I I, yeah I think he should just come out of the bullpen I mean I think he should be like a Seth Lugo moving forward where he can be like a multi-inning fireman and like yeah come in the game the game in the seventh inning in a close game and maybe like pitch two innings in relief yes Um, and that's just just that's obviously guys just that's just for this season, not next year. No, no, no. This is just in the context of this season. I'm more saying that for the listeners in case they get any bad ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm in favor of it. I mean, um, as long as there's no, as long as they are really sure that he's ready and there's no residual risk that he'll hurt himself again, 
Um, yeah. I'm fine with him coming out of the bullpen. Whereas with DeGrom, I'm kind of more like, it's not worth him even coming back. Probably. No, no. Just shut um, him, just shut him, just let him rest. Shut him down, let him rest. And tell him not to throw any more 100 mile an hour plus pitches, please. I know, right? Yes, it, yes, it looks nice, but the man has won two side youngs with a 96 mile an hour fastball. He doesn't need to show off. <laughs> yeah, right. He can dial it back and still be effective. He may not have like a one, he may have like a, you know, 1.70 RA instead of a 1.4 ERA. God forbid. Who cares? Um, as long if it keeps him healthy, it's what's necessary. Exactly. Yeah. Um, some more minor transactional news <laughs> with regard to the Mets. Um, you know, the Mets picked up uh, Heath Hembry from Oomst. <laughs> Oomst, um, from the Reds. Oh, I distinctly remember Heath Hembry because he pitched uh, p- poorly, might I add, in the game that I went to. Um, they walked oh, it off against him. Um, oh, geez. Either they tied it or they walked it off against him. I can't remember which inning it was that he pitched uh, in that game I was at. Um, and they optioned Yenzi Diaz to make room for him, which like, okay, sure. I mean, <sighs> they needed they needed to get another reliever because uh, – uh, Drew Smith remains on the injured list. And so they did that. Um, worth noting that speaking of Reds relievers, Sean Doolittle has been. Uh, I saw that. I know he's doing badly this year, but I want him. Pick him up. Sean Doolittle has been designated for Simon. He's like one of the most fun players in baseball. So I will advocate for the Mets to pick him up. If you're going to pick I up know. a bad, a bad former Reds reliever, I would advocate for Sean Doolittle. So please do that. Yes, I would as well. He's just great. And I think there is the potential for him to be good, yeah. especially if he's not playing the Mets. Yeah, right. Because uh, apparently the Mets like really like, <laughs> well, to... like confound him. Yeah. They might have been in the It might have been Doolittle and Hembry in the same game that the Mets hmm. that that was that walk off win against the Reds. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't I remember either. Remembering, I was at the game. I should remember. I just, um, I know they tie. I believe they tied it up against Doolittle. Mm. I just remember Doolittle blew the save. I know that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, um, and they and both of their catchers remain hurt. So, um, they <sighs> are currently catching Patrick Maziga as their everyday catcher and Chance Cisco as their backup catcher. So that's not a good situation. Um, but that said, I mean, it's not really like uh, James McCann and Tomas Nito have been producing at the plate lately. So, um, and Marcus Marcus Stroman had really nice things to say about Mazika, saying how quickly he adapted um, to the pit, to the pitchers and him in particular. So I thought that was a nice shout out and gave that me a little really hope nice. on the <laughs> gave me a little hope on the catching situation. I just I love again. This is just a compliment on Stroman. I just love how he's so supportive of all of his teammates. Yeah. It's no really what. great. No matter it's what. really great. He hypes them up always. Um, it's yes. really awesome to watch. Um, and like, yeah. So Stroman was talking about how, um, cause the first, so Stroman pitched twice last week. And the first time he pitched was actually the day that McCann, McCann was supposed to catch him. And yes. McC- that was the day that McCann like started the back spasms started flaring up on McCann. And so, um, Mazika kind of had to prepare like very last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Stroman really praised him for that because he basically just had to like get on the gear and go. Um, and he was really the uh, understudy. 
Yeah, the understudy, and he was really, um, he really jumped right in there. Um, and yeah. Stroman pitched a really good game both times throwing to him this week. So, yes. um, you know, that's cool that he shouted him out. And, um, and Chance Cisco had a double in his first, um, in his first uh, game as a Met. Um, in Woo-hoo! that in that extra inning victory that was following the Kevin Pillar homer, um, Chance Cisco, uh, you know, tacked on a double, uh, an RBI double. So that was fun. Um, but yes. yeah, having that as the catching contingent, not exactly sustainable, it's, but it is what it is at the moment. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, like <sighs> I mentioned, it's not like either James McCann or Tomas Nito were hitting at the moment. And basically the only no. people in the lineup are hitting who are hitting are Pete Alonzo and Brandon Nimmo. Mm. Um, that's more or less. Mm. Um, McNeil, uh, Jeff McNeil and Dominic Smith in particular are having really bad seasons and continue to have really bad seasons to a concerning degree, like really bad. Yes. And McNeil has been especially frustrating because he's exceedingly frustrated with himself. Um, speaking of frustrated, JD Davis just struck out and he's kind of jawing a little bit. Oh boy. He's, he's having, he's another one that's having. I mean, he's okay, but he's he also not having, stretches. he has, he has his stretches. Um, the other one, the other person I'm, he's improved, but I'm still a little worried about overall is Michael Conforto. Oh yeah. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's gotten better as of late, but he's just, uh, just the whole offense. It's just not clicking because they, they get guys on base. How many times have we seen I feel like I've seen the bases loaded three or at least three times in the last several games and they don't get anybody in. Yeah. It's really so the, so what, what is this block with runners in scoring position? What is this? I don't know. So hopefully maybe some shuffling around in the lineup. Maybe now that Lindor and Baez are back. We'll again, we'll see. We'll see. It was (laughs) funny because because this dude that is uh, shutting the Mets down today has like a really like big whooping curveball. And yeah. at one point, uh, Gary Cohen said the curveball is not their favorite pitch to hit. And I literally said out loud, none of the pitches are their favorite pitches, the pitches to hit I, was about to, I was about to say, yeah. Because this year they and haven't been able to hit fastballs the either. Fastballs. And how many times has that been said publicly by Rojas? Ah, so it's like if they ah, can't hit fastballs and they can't hit not hit speed, much else. What are you hitting? They're, Sliders, I guess. <laughs> but, Niente, uh, nothing. But uh, yeah, so it's just it's it's really concerning. And like you like you alluded to, like Jeff McNeil is an emotional player, and that's fine. You know, Pete Alonso is an emotional player too. There there are players that show their emotion on the field, and that's fine. But Jeff McNeil has let his emotions like bubble over from yeah, where they were. the best of him. Yeah, yeah. Letting them get the best of him more or less. And like he, that really showed yeah. during that one, was it Friday's game when he struck out looking um, with the bases loaded and like screamed at the umpire. I mean, it was a bad call. It was a bad call. It was yeah. like, it was like it's- at least four inches inside. Um, And he screamed at the umpire and like threw his back down and then like kept screaming at him from the dugout. And it was like, ay, 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 ay. Uh, yeah. on, on that note though, on a positive note, he just got a single. He just he good. bigged out a single. Cause I think it was, yeah. Who's on the infield Crawford um, tried to get it over to first. Didn't get there in time. Yeah, that's good. And McNeil will take him any way he can get him right now. 
Yeah, really. Hi, Wilmer. <laughs> Wilmer's <laughs> on the screen. Anyway, um, the other kind of Mets topic I wanted to bring up this week is that um, Jerry Kuzman's number is being retired this weekend. Um, so I figured that we would talk about that a little bit. So Michael and I put out a piece on Amazing Avenue this week ahead of the Kuzman number retirement um, because he and I have like slightly differing views on how exclusive number retirement should be. And I think it's an interesting discussion. We've had it a few different times. We've debated it back and forth. And I thought that I'd bring it to the community and write sort of a, we wrote sort of like a dialogue style piece about like, you know, should the Mets keep it exclusive or should they retire more numbers because you know jerry jerry Kuz, announcing jerry kuzman's number of retirement which they announced back in 2019 but it's just happening now because of covid um you know kind of indicated a bit of a shift in philosophy uh toward retiring numbers the mets have always been very exclusive about retiring numbers obviously we know this uh Tom Seaver and Mike Piazza are the only players to have their numbers retired um, before prior to Kuzman. Um, and basically those were two, you know, Hall of Fame players. And obviously, you know, the threshold is very high. Um, but yeah. Kuzman, on the other hand, is kind of like a tier below as far as uh, I'm concerned, a tier below Seaver and Piazza as far as like all time great Mets um, or like whatever measure you want to use. Um, so clearly is an indicator that they are kind of opening it up a little bit more and it, we might see more numbers start to get retired soon. Maybe not like, you know, every number ever, but like, you know, more of the fringe cases might make their way in. Um, and so it, I figured it was a good time to have a debate about whether that's a good thing or not. Um, so I kind um, of took the side of, I think it's a good thing. I think the Mets should retire more numbers, mostly because I think the Mets have been very poor at celebrating their own history um, throughout their history, um, <laughs> especially during the Wilpon tenure. Now, again, the Mets have, since the Kuzman retirement uh, announcement, the Mets have changed ownership since then. It was still the Wilpons yes. when they announced this, keep in mind, in 2019. Um, so we have no idea, really, because I don't think Steve Cohen has, like, spoken much about the matter other than, like, the generic hand, like, we should honor our history. It's good. But, like, he hasn't actually spoken on this issue and how he feels about it. So I don't, we don't know how Steve Cohen will handle it and if this is going to be the start of a pattern or not. So I took the side of it's a good thing. They should retire more numbers, I think, including some of the 86 guys, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, obviously, David were right, but I don't think there are not many people that would disagree on that, although they exist on Twitter. Uh -huh. um, they exist on Twitter. What in the but world? But I don't think nobody, none of these people exist in real life. These are just idiots on Twitter. They don't exist in real life. Most 98% of Mets fans, I bet if you polled Mets fans, 98% of them would say that. David Wright's number should be retired. So this kind of like, you know, you've got the trifecta, Seaver, um, Piazza, right? That's obvious. But then beyond that, it kind of gets to be fringe cases and Kuzman's the first one that kind of got in. So like Kellyanne, what is your stance on this? See, I don't think Kuzman is not that much of a fringe as people think. Like I'm looking, I'm going by BWAR, which I, which I know is kind of a goof right now, goofed formula right now, but Jerry Kuzman is fifth of the all-time top 24 players. It's Seaver, Wright, Gooden, DeGrom, and then Kuzman. So his um, retired number to me is not as um, on the edge as possible. Um, but in terms of, of overall retiring numbers, I'm actually with Michael on this one. I prefer 
um, that it be a little more exclusive. Um, it, to me, it makes each retirement more substantive. Um, like for example, the Yankees had, I think it was a couple of years ago, we're just going crazy retiring so many numbers. I want to say it was like three or four in the same year. Um, and again, just going by stats. And I know that's not the only, um, criteria to retire a number, but the Mets don't have very many players worthy of retired numbers, just based on the stats, David Wright's a given. Edgardo Alfonso, I think, is another strong case. You have John Matlack, Al, Al Leiter, and Keith Hernandez, to me, on the borderline. And Keith, the only reason Keith is on the borderline is just because of his past, the drug use and the whole thing with the 86 bad guys. And we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, and obviously, DeGrom is a given when he retires. But who else is there really? Like, strawberry you can't strawberry has had a whole host of off the field issues um as have many of the 86 players so it's to me it's both keep it exclusive don't retire too many numbers but also the Mets we do want to celebrate the Mets history but the Mets history also doesn't have that many players worthy of number retirements and that is my opinion and I mean, you can agree, you, disagree. And I mean, like, it's hard to knock the Yankees for retiring as many numbers as they've retired. Yes. They have the most world championships of any team. And, you know, that they've had true. more good players than everybody else. It's just the reality yes. of it. Um, I think if any of those players who have their numbers retired as Yankees, if you just like replicated their Yankees careers as Mets, they would have their numbers retired on the Mets. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yes. so like, you know, I get it. I get that. Like having too many, I, I understand the argument that having too many of them dilutes the significance of it. And that that's what Michael has said in the past when we've talked about this. Um, but or I even think too many, I think the, just to interrupt for a second, the whole problem with me on the Yankees was they did it all at the same time. Yeah. They all did. within they like a really close out. span. No. And that, I think that was my main issue with that. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt there. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, the, the Mets hall of fame is like a good sort of proxy and a way to celebrate a lot of these edge cases like Matt Lack, who, who just recently got into the Mets hall of fame. It was Matt Lack, mm -hmm. um, Ron Darling and Edgardo Alfonso all on the same day got into the Mets Hall of Fame and they had a very nice ceremony. I was there for it at City Field. It was a very nice ceremony. I really enjoyed it. But my problem with it was is that it wasn't advertised enough ahead no. of time. And like, you know, the, the so as a result, people were just not in their seats for it. I mean, like the people that were in their seats did a, gave them a rousing ovation, like very good crowd. I'm not saying that people like weren't hyped for it, but it's just like the number retirement is much more of an event. People go yes. to the ballpark just for that, whereas no one was there just because of this ceremony. No, maybe. and uh, people weren't didn't seem to even be aware of it. Yeah. And like maybe it pushed people over Which the edge. Bad. Maybe push people to over the edge, like, oh, I'm debating going to this game or this game. Oh, well, this game has the Hall of Fame ceremony, so that's cool, so maybe I'll go. But, like, nobody was like, I want to go that day because there's this ceremony. And so, to me, that's a shame. And I just wish that, you know, they're, they either advertise the Mets Hall of Fame ceremonies better or, like, these these guys got their own ceremony and their own day just to celebrate them. And I'm not saying that 
I actually would argue that Alfonso would not be in my group of numbers I would retire. Um, but like, I do think the guys who should get their numbers retired should get their own day. And it should mm-hmm. be like a big event where it's just for them, like Kuzman's getting. Yes. So, and yes. I, I, as far as the 86 Mets are concerned. Oh boy. You've got, so, <sighs> so part of the criteria that we talk about um, is like part of the, the argument against, there's two chief arguments kind of against the like 86 group. One of them is that they kind of take votes away from each other. Not that there are votes, yes. but you know what I'm saying? They dilute each other. They, they can't, yeah, they, yeah, because they were collectively a great group. Yeah, and not on one of them was the defining guy of those teams the way that Seaver no. was the defining guy of the 69 Mets and that era mm-hmm. of Mets baseball. Um, and the way that Piazza was the defining guy of the 99-2000 Mets. Um, there's not one guy on the 86 Mets who is the guy, like when everybody thinks of the 1986 Mets, I would not say that anybody thinks of one single person first. Um, They think of a small group and that all those group, that entire group, I would argue that that group is four players. It's Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, Gary Carter, and Keith Hernandez. Those are the four like primary guys that people think of when they think of the 86 Mets. Now they, not only do they take away votes from each other, there's arguments to be made against all of them for other reasons um yes so lots of other <laughs> off the field reasons gary carter and doesn't he, as have he, as much off the field stuff as the other guys have although obviously no. 86 he was, Mets, the, he was the goody two shoes he was so he doesn't have any allegations against the him. baggage he doesn't have the drug use he doesn't have any of the off the field stuff but the argument against him and i would argue that this plays into keith as well is that he's primarily known for his time on another team like he he is an expo. Yes. Gary Carter's an expo. And he mm-hmm. played for the Mets and he won a championship with the Mets and that's great. And he was a beloved player. But when people think of Gary Carter's career, they think about the expos first. Just like Keith Hernandez, although yes. Keith with the broadcasting uh, career, I think changes the yeah, that's, balance of this a little it's bit. It's tenor, yep. Um, mm-hmm. Keith I is agree. a Cardinal first and foremost, when you think of his playing career and he just got inducted into the Cardinals hall of fame over last the week. Uh-huh. Um, and so, but when you think of his best years and who he, who he played the best years of his career with, it's the Cardinals. So, but now he, in addition to winning the 86 championship with the Mets, he's also been a broadcaster for many years. So now it kind of changes the seesaw to closer to 50 50 about like who Keith Hernandez is. Is he a Met or a Cardinal? It's almost like both now. Um, with Doc and Daryl, you've got oh all boy. the off the field stuff, which. Yes. And there's a lot. And there's a lot. I mean, there's Doc the, I mean, there's Doc Gooden has numerous DUIs, numerous arrests for his drug use. And that's, that's a different story because he is obviously um, an addict and he's tried to get treatment for it. It has not succeeded up to this point. Um, so that to me is a separate issue. What isn't a separate issue is his sexual assault allegation from the nineties and his misdemeanor battery to which he pled guilty for in 2005 after he punched his girlfriend. Um, and reading, there is a slate article that we will link in the tweets um, that details a lot of 
what the Mets did in the 80s and the 90s, um, specifically um, an incident where a woman is accusing Gooden, uh, Vince Coleman, and uh, what was the other player's name? Boston? This is his last name, I think, um, of rape. And it's very, very detailed. It's very, it's difficult to read just so everybody knows going into this, but you have that accusation. It was, it was publicized then. Um, They ended up not getting charged, of course. Um, But this wasn't like a woman sitting on this information for years and years and coming, coming out with it later. No, she reported this pretty quickly after it happened. Daryl Boston, um, by the way, is his name. Okay. I was just like, Boston, it's somebody Boston. I can't remember the first name. Um, so there's, and I mean, in that same article, you have that the players, the 86 players were groping the, the flight attendants and their wives and just trashing the plane. And it was treated at the time and still is treated with some, with some nostalgia as very, very nonchalantly, very off the cuff. Like this is what they were like. This is kind of almost boys will be boys. This wasn't anything problematic, which it is. We have 2020 hindsight on this, but at the same time, we also need to set the standard going forward that this is not acceptable. Yeah. And so, and that's, and that's, that, that rolls into the fact that I, that standard should be held to today when considering retiring these 86 Mets, retiring the numbers of the 86 Mets. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, so, you know, if you look at it strictly by like Mets numbers all time, You've got Doc Gooden is next to Seaver as far as mm-hmm. pitching war. And you've got Daryl Strawberry is kind of next to right as far as like all the like the batting leaders. But they've both got these, especially Doc. They've both mm. got these things hanging over their head. With Daryl, it's mostly about the the drug stuff. Um, and I don't know, like obviously they were, you know, they've had problems with the law with both of these um problems but i would argue that the conduct with women takes precedent over you know the drugs um the drugs obviously are damaging and there's issues but um you know violence and battery these are real things <laughs> yes. that we should consider See, to, again to me the the addiction part is is terrible, but to me, obviously it doesn't have the same weight as, as sexual battery, um, as violence. And to me being under the influence while driving, because that is just as much of a risk to somebody, to the driver themselves or to somebody else Yeah, on the road. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there are a myriad of issues there. So these are, these are tough things to consider. And it, mm-hmm. I don't know, like how you, I don't know how you apply this. Like if you want to add a morality cause, which a clause, sorry, clause, which I think <laughs> you should, when it comes to these things, like, for example, mm-hmm. I am not going to ever 
uh, advocate for Reyes's number being retired now. I mean, obviously, he'd be, even even off field stuff aside, he'd be an edge case to begin with because his Mets career was relatively short when you think about the grand scheme of uh-huh. like all franchise greats. Um, but he was, you know, the second, third of second in command to David Wright in that era of when they were both on the team. Um, they were the they were the two defining players on those teams. Um, but like. I'm never going to advocate for his number to be retired because of what happened off the field for sure. Um, So you, you wonder how you apply this standard. It's hard to apply it universally and apply a blanket Uh situation to these individually like nuanced things. And I just, uh, we, we've seen it. The hall of fame is struggling with this. We've seen it over and over like with Omar Vizquel, with all these other uh, hall of fame cases, like, we have seen how, you know, the morality clause comes into play and how it's unevenly applied and how, yes. you know, so I don't I mean, know. I think that that's, you finished and now I'll bring up my other. I was just going to say exception. that number retirement has, has the same problems. Yes. In that regard. I was going to say, and actually the other key, the other name that we haven't talked about is Carlos Beltran, who will probably have not have his number retired for entirely different reasons. Yep. But not. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that there are like a few different scenarios you could go into with Beltran. Yeah. In the current in the current situ in the current scenario, which is like what's happening in real life. He's not, he's never going to have his number retired. That's a fact. Um, then there are kind of like two alternate scenarios you can play out. There is if he was never named a Mets manager to begin with at all. Yeah. Then it would be, I think, sort of an edge case. And I think probably ultimately not. Um, But if he was named Mets manager and like the Astros stuff never happened or like, I don't know, they decided they didn't care or like, I don't know what. um, And he ended up like managing the team to a a pennant or even a World Series, then I think that would push for sure toward retiring his number. Yeah. Yes. So there's, it's, it's interesting, but it's all hypothetical because it's never happening now. No, it's never happening Um, unless, unless they stop punishing Beltran as they have stopped punishing Alex Cora and AJ Hinch. So sure. I mean, I think that, I think that, I mean, as frustrating as it is that Beltran seems to have been the only guy to be like really punished. The fall guy. Mm -hmm. um, I think that he will, if he wants to. Um, I think he will eventually be able to get a job in baseball if he wants to. I just don't know if it'll ever be with the Mets. Yeah. So, um, <sighs> oh, and and worth noting that it, obviously no one can argue David Wright's a given. Um, yes. but, and I think eventually, barring anything disastrous happening off the field, Jacob deGrom is already a given, even if yes. he throws, never throws another pitch again. No, because um, he's, he's again, I'm going by BWAR. He's fourth. In the all-time you yeah. are right and now. And he's like just like it would it would like this injury would have to be career ending in order for him to not pass Doc Gooden too. Yeah. Because he's like just behind Doc Gooden. Yeah, he's yeah. I'm actually just curious. I'm gonna go to the fan graphs and see what I think he's like less than a war behind because because he's three three war behind B war behind Gooden. Oh, there we go. Say. But that no, that's that's B war. I'm wanna see F war. <laughs> Be, that's slightly more than I thought, but still like that for DeGrom, that's like when DeGrom is pitching well, that's less than half a season yes. <laughs> worth of. So like, as yes. long as he has, I was going to say more, he has, he has five more so far this season. Yeah, I think this B-war. season, 
even even five point two. Even According given to- all of the injuries and all the time he's missed. So um if he has one Good more Lord. healthy if he has one more healthy season, he will pass Doc Gooden all time. So yes. like that is already done. Um so you know, I think it's interesting. I don't know, like it's it's hard because you don't want to put players on a pedestal who, you know, don't deserve it. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you want the Mets to actually celebrate their history. And it feels weird that they have no representatives from that. Te- that one of the only two championships the Mets have ever won um, that have been given that honor um, for various reasons. And it's just, I do think that the Mets could stand to, include more players um and maybe these the current players that are you know edge cases are not the right ones but i do think yeah the mets could stand to be more inclusive in the future when it comes to number retirement but i understand the value in keeping it a um an exclusive group and um your opinion and michael's opinion i think is the majority opinion at least on amazing avenue it is i can't speak beyond the amazing avenue community um but I, we put a poll in there because I was curious to see what most people thought. Um, and the poll is like roughly like 60, 40. I think the last time I checked, like 60% of say, people thought. Yeah, 60, 61.39. 61.39. Um, so 61% of people thought that um, the Mets should keep it exclusive, kind of like keep it the way they've been going. Um, and 39% thought that it should be more inclusive and they should retire more numbers. So that's an interesting breakdown, I think. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, obviously I'm very, I'm regardless of whether people think that it should be or not. I think that everyone's excited for Jerry Kuzman to have his number retired this weekend. It's, it's, it's exciting. Um, I am happy for him. Um, I think he deserves it. It needs to be, yes, I do as well. He, it needs to be promoted more. Yes. Um, and what do you guys, I want to find out what the listeners think. What do you yeah. guys think about? If you have, if you uh, have takes on this, game. if you have tweaks, uh, takes on number <laughs> retirement, <laughs> tweaks, if you have ta- if tweaks, I mean, takes, if you have takes on number <laughs> retirement, tweet at us. We want to, we want to hear what you have to say. So in wider baseball news, um, last week when we were recording, um, the Trevor Bauer hearing had just started. The first two days of testimony had happened. Um, But now, um, as we record this week, um, the hearing has obviously concluded. There were four total days of testimony um, and the judge uh, issued um, her verdict on the matter. So Los Angeles Superior Court Judge uh, Diana Gold uh, uh, Saltman, sorry if I'm pronouncing her name wrong, ended the temporary restraining order issued against Bauer. So in other words, she ruled in favor of Trevor Bauer um, and his representation. Um, She admitted that, quote, the injuries shown in the photographs are terrible, end quote, but said, quote, if she set limits and he exceeded them, this case would have been clear. But she set limits without considering all the consequences and responded did not exceed the limits that the petitioner set, end quote. Um, so that's upsetting to hear. Um, I suppose I don't have any like legal basis to argue with her because I am not a lawyer. I don't know what the law says about this. Um, I, although I have seen Cheryl Ring's tweets about this, so it makes me feel pretty confident that even those with legal background questioned this verdict. Um, but it kind of sends the message that 
you know, violence against women can be justified simply by saying, well, no, well, she didn't say no. So what happened was okay. Or that she gave this list of what was acceptable, but she didn't think about everything that could happen because of it, that that's okay. Which is ridiculous. That's, like, ugh, it just like, sets such a bad precedent. Like if someone walks up to me and punches me in the face, is that okay? Because I didn't say they couldn't do that. I just don't understand. <laughs> like, what is that argument? Um, or like, like if she if she wanted to be, she gave consent for, I, I don't know how to say this other than violence. Uh, how the, the, he obviously exceeded what was agreed upon. So that's okay. Right. Like, even if she... Like, and Cheryl has argued, Cheryl has talked about in the past how, when she was on the podcast, how she cannot actually consent to grievous bodily injury. But even if that were not the case, she can't consent to all the stuff that happened to her when she was unconscious. Unconscious. Even if she said, you can knock me unconscious or choke me unconscious, even if she said that, she can't consent. She can't, she never said like, Oh, and while I'm unconscious, you can do X, Y, Z to me. Yeah. So she didn't consent to that. And that's the other thing that goes against the notion that, no, the the fact that if you say no anytime during sex, before, during, after, well, after is kind of moot point, but at any point during sex, you say no, it's automatically not consensual anymore. It's not. It's not. So that sets a precedent that goes against that fact. Right. And I just don't, I mean, I don't understand just how, like we're, how like we women or the, the victims in this case are supposed to go into an encounter with a list of things that cannot be done in order to, you know, get any sort of protection from violent men. Like, that's really I mean, upsetting. And the, uh, the other part of that, um, the reason that the TRO was ended was that it's like, she's never going to have sex with him again. Uh, okay. But like. Probably true, but he can Probably still... true. You don't know that, A. But he could show um, up at her house now. Yeah. There's, there's like retaliation. Retaliation was never considered in this. So, I mean, and I think Trevor Bauer, again, speculation doesn't really seem like a guy that would just let this sort of thing go. go. Yeah. Like now he can contact her. Yes. Now he can show up at her house if he wants to. Harass her or have others harass her and it not, it not be called on or called out or viewed as criminal (laughs) right or dangerous so which is like i just i don't know um yeah and then going on there's been sentiment i've seen mostly on twitter but kind of like in general in news reporting as well that a suddenly bauer is in the clear He's not. He's still under criminal investigation and has been accused by another woman in Ohio who also sought a protection order. 
So I think it's important for the media and people not to frame Bauer as going through something. It's not a mental, emotional, or physical health issue. He's not suffering a tragedy or like going through bereavement of some kind. He's accused of really heinous things, really heinous things. And, and he's, and he's facing, remember- and he's facing those accusations and he's not even actually being held accountable because so far no. he hasn't had been punished in any form. And not only that, he's not denying them. He's denying the context of them, but he's not denying them. Does that make sense? He's not. No, he's not denying that he did these things. He's no. denying that it's wrong that he did these things. He thinks that doing these things is okay. Yeah. Basically. But basically, we also need to, re- we just need to remember that this is not some sort of adversity for him. Right. And we need to stop. He's not, he's not way. the, he's not the victim in this. At all. At no. all. And, you know. He, ho- he holds the power dynamic in this entire situation. And it is still, I mean, so obviously the MLB investigation is kind of its own separate thing. And I think that they were waiting for this hearing um, to see what would come out in it to sort of help inform their decision. And we'll see um, if a decision is forthcoming. They keep extending his administrative leave. Or it's currently extended to August 27th, which I believe is this Friday. Yeah, this Friday. Fr- this Friday. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens this Friday if they just keep extending it to give them more time or if they hand down some sort of decision on that. Um, but in the meantime, he is, like you mentioned, still under criminal investigation. And just because this judge denied the uh, permanent restraining order does not mean that he will not be convicted of a crime in the end. I mean, it does lessen one's I want to say optim- optimism. <laughs> it does confidence. lessen one's confidence. Confidence is the right word. It does lessen one's confidence that he will be convicted of a crime. Um, but I have seen, you know, legal experts say both, yeah, this probably means he won't be convicted of a crime because, you know, and and you know, if you think about it, it makes sense. And we've talked about this with Cheryl. The, you know, the um, the bar is higher for being convicted of a crime than it would be for this restraining order because this Mm -hmm. restraining order is just a preponderance of evidence that he did the thing. Um, Whereas the crime is beyond reasonable doubt because then you're talking about whether he should go to prison. Um, And obviously that is a much harsher penalty than just not being able to talk to someone. Um, So, you know, if, if they didn't find in this case, a preponderance of evidence it's hard to think that they will, you know, find beyond reasonable doubt that he did this or that it cost, well, rather that doing this constitutes a crime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I've seen other, other legal folks with legal background say this has no bearing on the criminal, like the criminal proceedings. They could go a completely different way because it's going to be a different judge and a different jury. And it, well, there's no jury in the other case but you know what i mean there's gonna be a yes. jury there's gonna be a different judge so who knows but this this is if he's charged and this is if he's charged which he has not yet been um so it, the fact that they're taking so long to do so gives me doubts that they're even going to charge him yeah and i frank and i think it like you know they see they're waiting to see the outcome of this hearing and they see that the judge ruled in his favor so they're kind of like is it they're probably like is it worth bringing charges now because he might because they won't win um so i think that that is a factor um but i still remain 
fairly confident that MLB will hand down a sizable suspension for this. Um, I hope. Like, God, even given my jaded view of Major League Baseball, I I have to think that they're going to hand down a sizable suspension for this. If they don't, then I I don't know. Like, I'm out. Like, I have I mean, no I, idea anymore. I mean, at, at this point in the season, okay, now we're, I'm just going to say we're going to speculate. I'm going to ask a speculative question right now. What do you see as an appropriate MLB suspension? I mean, the maximum penalty, what's the most that anyone's been, what's the most that people can be suspended for under this? It's like, I think Reyes was 80 games. No, he was like 60 something. Wait. Oh boy. It's an 80 (laughs) game. I think, uh, MLB domestic violence, maximum. I mean, Basically, the only player... So there's been players suspended the entire season before. Okay. Uh, Sam Dyson was suspended for the entire 2021 season for domestic violence. Yes. Um, So, and I'm trying to remember, like, if he was ever charged. Forms of... Okay. Pay suspension. Procedure discipline discovery burden of proof suspensions and addison russell got 80 games jose Reyes that's got a, I, I knew someone got 80 games i that just was addison russell okay so i don't know like 50 this is really confusing as i'm reading through this I, i'm just trying to find the and, and there is, so I feel like I need somebody who understands more about the, like, um, not the legal, legalese, the legal, well, the, the, yeah, the ins and outs, the ins and outs of, of this, this policy, this policy to like, tell me, but I mean, we know for a fact that there is, there are players that are still like effectively banned from baseball, not like officially, but they're still like effectively banned because Felipe Vasquez blackballed is still like on the like restricted list basically to never come off more or less right because he had sex with a 13 year old so which is like um, obviously and so it's like that is and he was convicted um found guilty of sexually assaulting 13 year old. So that's like, you know, kind of, that's kind of like the worst it gets, (laughs) at least like as far as this policy. And he's still like, you know, like on the restricted list, can't come back to baseball. I mean, I don't know if that like lasts forever and they can just do that. I I don't quite understand. Like if, Oh, I, I feel like there's some sort of criteria that he can do to get off the restricted list. Like, Oh my God, this is, this is an entirely different set of circumstances, but like Devin Masaraka was on the restricted list. Was it him? Yeah. Yeah. He was on the restricted Um, list for obviously completely different reasons. Yes. But if he, what was it that he would have to do? I think except one of the, the triple A assignment. Speaking of Felipe Vasquez, sorry to interrupt. By the way, I I forgot to mention this. He was, he was sentenced last week to four years in prison. Oh, goody. I knew that. And I forgot to mention it, but like, 
Um, I think it was like after we recorded last week, but before we recorded this week, but, um, it last week he was sentenced to two to four years in prison. So like, he's like on the restricted list because he's like actively like being convicted and like sentenced. So he's like, he's going to jail and he's obviously not, not gonna, not gonna have a chance to rejoin baseball until he comes out of jail. But even once he is out of jail, I don't know. what like the I would, status of like is he still on the restricted list after that is he eligible to come off i mean at that point like he's never felipe vasquez is never gonna pitch again no. but i'm i'm wondering more about the like like uh, what is his actual official status as far as mlb is concerned like is he on the restricted list forever like can something like that be done um now, obviously, like, so what what you're saying, Kellyanne, like, what does he deserve? So, like, obviously, if you talk about, like, the spectrum of things, Felipe Vasquez is the extreme end of the spectrum. Like, he is going to prison and yes. he assaulted a minor. Um, so that is, like, the worst thing you can imagine under this policy. I don't think Trevor Bauer's conduct quite gets there. Um, well, obviously. we have that girl in Ohio who was, it's not entirely clear if she was a minor when they're she was underage to drink okay she could not drink i don't know exactly how old she was because she got she got in trouble for because like part of the thing is that she she was drinking and she got in trouble for underage drinking when she went to report it i believe yes when she went to report (laughs) it she got in trouble for underage (laughs) drinking so she was not 21 god but i don't know if she was a minor i don't i don't know I mean, I think, I think that would have come up. It's just, to me, it's still murky. That's why I'm just, I'm bringing it up. Right. So I, I think that obviously like Bauer's case is not as clear as Vasquez's because like, like I said, he was convicted of a crime. He's going to jail. Yeah. Um, Whereas Trevor Bauer, unclear if he will go to prison likely not given this restraining order Mm -mm. situation um but this is still like one of the worst like the most graphic violence that we've heard of and i mean it's taking such prominence because trevor bauer is the highest paid player by aav in baseball right now yeah and i mean not actually i think it's per year not, not just the average. I think it's just on a per year basis. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. He's making $40 million and that's a lot of money. Making a lot of money. And, you know, like there are other players who, who have done heinous things, mm-hmm. heinous, violent things. Roberto Zuna's case is pretty, pretty bad. Oof. Marcelo Zuna's case is pretty, pretty bad. Addison Russell's was pretty, pretty bad. And that's why he got 80 games. Like, mm-hmm. so to me, this is like at least an 80 game situation. Yes. If not an entire season, like this is MLB needs to hand down a, a sizable suspension. Yeah. And it can't, it can't just start. <sighs> Yeah, it's I mean if it starts this year it has to go into next season. It has oh, yeah. to. Definitely. Um and it can't start until this this administrative leave ends. Like it's not like they can mm. like backdate it like you can with no. the damn IL. No. Like that's not how this works. <laughs> no. Um so kind of related to all this ugliness um and various degrees of baseball players doing horrible things. Worth noting that the New York Mets, as well as the Texas Rangers, but 
obviously <laughs> this is a Mets podcast. So we're going to talk about the Mets. Worth noting that the New York Mets have spoken with Reds director of pitching Kyle body, according to reports um, on MLB trade rumors. I forget who originally reported it because MLB trade rumors just curates information. They don't report it on their own. Usually I think yeah. it was, um, uh, Weaver who's Weaver. Sorry. Uh, Levi Weaver uh, of the athletic. Um, reported originally reported that the Mets have spoken with Kyle body, who is the founder of driveline baseball um, and uh, driveline baseball. For those of you who don't know is like basically the like lab, the pitching lab or like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the like stat head, like analytics lab where Trevor Bauer did all his screwing around with foreign substances. <laughs> and they, they notably include Trevor Bauer and Luke Heimlich um and for those of you who aren't familiar with luke heimlich he was the prospect who you know molested his relative his sister i think it was his his niece his niece his niece his six years old Um, the crime occurred when he was 15 yeah so when he was when he was 15 years old he molested his six-year-old niece um, so, and so he was, you know, he was never drafted. He was supposed to be like this really high profile draft pick. And this came out and he was not drafted. Um, given a cha- given a sp- the Royals talked to him though, by the way, um, I don't remember when that happened, like a couple of years ago, but he's been pitching in like Mexico. I don't know if he's still pitching, but I think he was pitching in like Mexico. Uh, he's anyway. no, he's not right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, he went to, after he didn't get drafted. Uh, he yes. went to Mexico and pitched there for a while. Uh, but yeah, so like two players who have done really heinous things, um, you know, are notable clients of driveline. Um, and this, you know, uh, and Kyle body is the founder and the Mets are talking to him. I don't know like what that means. Of course, of course I could just mean <laughs> they sent him a goddamn text, but like they have a relationship with this guy that dates to, back to before now. Like, it's not like this is new information. Like, but hiring him in any sort of official capacity when he has, you know, notably helped these clients that these are terrible people or clients. Yes. Um, it would not be great and would be yet another. Indi- and this is yet another indication that the Mets have no interest in changing their culture and are still completely blind to how problematic this all is. I mean, and they're not to excuse the Mets, but again, this is just the entire culture overall in major league baseball. Yes. I mean, it's, it's upsetting for us as Mets fans and Mets supporters that, that, that our organization chooses to keep this up, especially since I believe our, our fan base is more vocal than others with regard to things like this, but uh, slow it's got to change slowly yep just gotta just gotta keep plugging away <laughs> keep saying it keep thinking more more and more people aware of it yeah that's all and that's at least as a fan base that's all we can do at this point yep um so we'll keep talking about this we'll see um as as things develop as potentially mlb finally hands down its punishment of bauer whenever that comes we'll see um but in the meantime, um, before we do walk off wins, I just want to quickly mention that um, next week is our 100th episode. Yay! Yes, oh our gosh. 100th episode. Oh, Can you guys believe? Oh. 
Um, 100 episodes of a pod of their own, um, which is so exciting. Like we've been waiting to reach this milestone for a really long time and we're so excited about it. Um, and we're going to have all four of us on next week. Um, oh my God, for this special occasion. And we, <laughs> as part of it, we'll be doing a Q and a, um, like we tend to do, uh, for our milestone episodes or, you know, just periodically, um, we're going to do a listener Q and a, so please submit questions to us. Um, you can either tweet them at us a pot of their own you can dm them to us uh, our dms are open um at a pot of their own just either tweet it at us or dm us or you can email us own at gmail.com so contact us with your questions that you'd like to hear us answer next week on our 100th episode you know a ama or a u a a u a ask us anything um within Ooh, reason that's a da- that's a yeah i was gonna say that's a dangerous uh notion to put out there within reason you scallywags um (laughs) rascals and rapscallions (laughs) um if if you ask us an inappropriate question we will simply ignore it but um anything within reason ask us anything um yeah about the Mets about baseball about you know us uh you know we're we're happy to answer um your questions so please send them in um we hope to get a big response because then we can have a fun segment so yes. send us your questions uh on twitter or by email yay Woo-hoo. um but yeah we will do it. <laughs> do it do it do it now um but in the meantime we will end the show this week like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week baseball related or otherwise kellyanne healy what is your walk-off win for this week Okay. I have two, neither of which are related to baseball. Um, so at my library this week, we are doing a kindergarten camp. We do one subject each day for children that are going into kindergarten. I kicked off the week with social studies and one activity I've been doing each year is teaching little kids how to vote. Um, and I've had another successful response to this year for this year's video. Um, and I have them vote for the first time by choosing between usually it's two foods and this year it was pretzels and gummies. So they send in their ballots to me and I announce the winner and right now gummies is winning in a landslide. Um, but that's always just fun. And I like making kids aware of citizenship and participating in the, in the process of government formation from a young age. Cause that's, that's how I was raised. And I think that's how everybody should be raised to know that they have a voice, to know that they can go vote, to know how to vote, to know how to be informed. Um, so I always, I always find that very joyful. And my other one is um, a shout out to Steven and Mignanelli for covering my butt yesterday, um, for Rutgers orientation. I did not realize I had double booked myself. Um, he kindly reminded me and took notes for me and I'm really thankful to him for that. That's, uh, my walk-off win. And also it's his birthday. So happy birthday, Steven. Yay. I hope you are having a fabulous day. Happy birthday, Stephen. And I would like to point out that in the future, you should probably set up um, more even voting and things that will <laughs> probably not win. Like you should maybe do like gummies versus chocolate. And that way, maybe see, each of them will have a fighting chance. I mean, see, I did lollipops and chocolate last year. And I actually had a pretty lopsided vote then too for chocolate. Um, so I oh, want chocolate to- going to beat everything. Maybe you should do like 
two different kinds of chocolate next time. Like you should do like, you know, Reese's versus Milky Ways or something. I, I also had to take into consideration allergies and stuff and gluten-free and I didn't, the pretzels and gummies were like the two best options. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, but yes, it was, I, I love that one every year. It's really good. That's uh, yeah. all I'm saying is that gummies winning in a landslide is not unexpected in this yes. in that age group. <laughs> I know, right? Also, I got to read the Parks and Rec children's book, which was awesome. Everybody should ah, go yes. read it. Yes, that was such a fun book to read. <laughs> Ooh, this is a really this is a really good transition, actually. Speaking of chocolate, um, my walk off win this week is that I went to Hershey Park over the weekend. Oh, um, did you get me candy? I didn't buy any, but I did eat some. Damn it, Allison. Um, so I went to Hershey park over the weekend and it was the first time I had been to Hershey park since I was a child. So I don't really remember. I didn't really remember it all that well. The only thing I remembered about Hershey park from, from like the first time I went when I was like maybe 11 was that they had the different, like the different heights were different candy bars. Like, you know how you have to be certain height to go on certain rides mm-hmm. and they just categorized it by different candies like the shortest is the Hershey Kiss and then it's like Reese's oh, and oh. Twizzlers and Jolly Ranchers is the tallest and the you know the fun started right away because of <laughs> course my friends were like Allison go stand on the height chart and oh. I like barely made it into the tallest category <laughs> oh jeez so of course everyone was crapping on me for that. Um, oh, especially man. Michael. Michael was like, you're barely a Jolly Rancher, LOL. Um, because I'm, for those of you who don't know, I'm very short. I'm four foot 11. Uh, so, you know, I almost couldn't ride <laughs> the biggest coasters in Hershey oh, Park, Allison. but I could, I could. And no one height checked me. No one <laughs> height checked me. They have, cause they do, they have the little like measuring sticks at the, at the people who run the rides. They have the little measuring sticks that were like the different pegs are set to like the different heights, um, that you need to be to ride the ride. And so, well, there's like, there's usually like two different pegs. Like the, the bottom one is the one where you need to, like, if you're that short, you need to be accompanied by an adult. And the tall, the taller one is like, you're tall enough to ride this ride on your own. I never got height checked by the way. Um, <laughs> by anyone I was gonna say um, I also think they recognize that you're an adult and probably can handle it I hope so I hope I I hope they recognize I was an adult <laughs> uh I, and I mean it helped that I was with a bunch of other 30 year olds so you know there were no children among us um so it was really fun I had a great time um I and you know the first time that I went to Hershey Park I was a little kid and definitely not the tallest uh <laughs> the tallest category so I probably like didn't I don't remember riding like all the big coasters and stuff. I was mostly riding like the kid rides and like the medium, you know, rides uh, for appropriate for an 11 year old. So at least this time I got to ride like the big coasters and stuff like that. So I enjoyed that. Um, And it was a fun time. And we went to chocolate world um, at the end and, you know, they do the whole like tour of like how chocolate is made and you get chocolate at the end and it's awesome. Um, And then we waited in a ridiculously long line to get milkshakes um, at chocolate world. And it was still worth it because it was the best milkshake I've ever had in my life. It was- You didn't get chocolate for me. I'm very disappointed by this. I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. No, honestly though, the main reason I didn't buy like any candy or any chocolate is because like the lines at Chocolate World were absurd. Yes. And like the the place was packed like overall, which made me a little anxious because, you know, COVID Um, and people uh, in central Pennsylvania are not so good about masking. Oh, no. Which is not great. I mean, like I was outside like 90% of the time. 
But in Chocolate World, you're inside and like the masking was uneven. Actually, most of the people that were wearing masks were kids. Um, yeah, kids, I, kids don't have a problem complying with masking. No, they don't. Sensitive. They're so much better than adults. They're so much better than adults. Um, but yeah, so people aren't so good about wearing masks. Uh, most of the time I was outside, so I didn't really feel that icky about it. It was mostly in chocolate world where I was kind of like, I'm inside and there's all these unmasked people in here. I was masked obviously, but, and our whole group was, but I was like, eh. Um, but so other than like some anxiety about being in a crowd, um, I had a really good time. Um, I rode a ton of rides and I had a great time and I had a milkshake and it was great. Um, so yeah, it sounds delicious. It was awesome. And I'm glad you had fun. Yes. Um, so that's my walk-off one for this week. Um, that's an excellent walk. That is a, an excellent chocolatey walk-off win. <laughs> a chocolatey walk-off win. Um, if you want to, uh, um, read about the Mets for some reason, you can go to amazingavenue.com. Well, you can, misery loves company. If you want to rant about the Mets, you can go to amazingavenue.com and, uh, hang out with us in the comments. Um, and talk about how annoying the Mets are because Lord or knows do we, other things. we have enough to, uh, to entertain you over there. We've got daily morning news posts. We've got game recaps, the whole shebang, pun um, threads. I was, was going to say pun threads. I was telling people about, about I was telling people about resources in the library, like seeing, reading newspapers and magazines. If there are paywalls behind what you love to see. That's my new thing now. If people want to get by paywalls, I'm telling them, go use your library e-magazine. Yeah, seriously. Use your public library. Um, Public library. This is what your tax dollars go to. Use it. But yeah, the Amazing Avenue community is great for talking about the Mets and also distracting you from the Mets. So that you get the best of both worlds. So you should check us out at AmazingAvenue.com. Read all of our fantastic content. Like I mentioned, um, Michael and I have that retired numbers piece that's up. And if you want- And it's a a great piece. Everybody needs to read it. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Um, and if you want, and if you want to like, and there's a poll at the end of it. So if you want to, uh, you know, cast your vote in that poll and make your voice heard, because Kellyanne uh, has, you know, uh, told us all about the importance of voting, and I agree with her. So you should <laughs> cast your vote in that poll as well, um, and vote on how exclusive retiring numbers should be. Um, Didn't put a pizza option in. Jeez. I know. I thought <sighs> about it, but I was like, everyone's just gonna vote for pizza. I yeah, actually want to know the answer to this, <laughs> like how people feel about this um so so yeah you can go vote in our poll you can read all of our game recaps our morning news posts every morning our analysis pieces i've got meters for you every week which the pictures are delayed i'm working on it sorry folks i know i get lazy with it sometimes no Um, there's a lot going on yeah there is um so yeah uh but you should also um follow us on social media facebook twitter and instagram at amazing avenue you can follow this show on twitter aa uh or (laughs) at a pod of their own own. (laughs) very cool email the show aa dot a pod of their own at gmail.com how do i screw up the social media stuff guys very good um you're tired you, like me. I know. You can contact us there to submit your questions for next week's Q&A. Please do that. Um, you can also subscribe to the show, Amazing Avenue Audio, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. Mm-hmm. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Wait. Oh. Wait, you forgot to do our, our personal Oh, I forgot to do Oh my God. I am a mess, you guys. I'm okay. sorry. I'll do this one. Allison, where can we find you on Twitter? I'm at Petit PhD. Where are you, Kellyanne? I'm at L-R-B-E-L-L-A-R-E-B-E-E. And again, I talked over um, our Twitter 
email um, account. So it's at a pot of their own. That's yeah. all the Twitter stuff. We're a mess. This I promise. <laughs> I promise. I've not had anything to drink at all. I promise you guys. I really haven't. I've had like two sips of beer tonight. Um. Yeah. But <laughs> subscribe to the podcast. Got your back. Follow us on all the social medias. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. <laughs> and don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. I will see you guys next week for episode 100. So excited. Woo! Woohoo!